Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. What a pleasure to have you in our company, and it's always our pleasure to be in yours. For USA Wealth Group's The Money Wise Radio Show with the money guys, your protectors, Ray and Peter Lance. Good morning, guys. Well put, Phil. <laughs> thank you so much for that nice introduction. Good morning. It's Peter. from the heart. Good it's morning. From... Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's, it's nice to see everybody on the radio today. That's right. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about something uh, unusual today. So if you've ever uh, been married, are married, thinking about getting married, um, we're going to talk about managing finances for married couples. For married couples. But we're going to talk about traditional married couples, and we're also going to talk about same-sex married couples. Mm -hmm. So uh, stand by and lace up your shoes and fasten your belt. We're going to talk about some interesting things today designed to provoke promote controversy in your marriage. <laughs> we need things to be stirred up for that? <laughs> yes. No, actually you don't. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, sometimes, isn't it? Well, let's talk about uh, marriage. And I'd like to start, as I usually do, with just a couple of quotations. First of all, uh, this is an anonymous quotation. If there's one thing better than marrying a millionaire, it's divorcing him. <laughs> oh, him. <laughs> him. <laughs> and then um, Dr. Joyce Brothers also had an interesting quotation about marriage. She said, I've never thought about divorce. I've thought about murder, but never divorce. <laughs> she was awesome. I yeah, love her. She was. <laughs> but then I have to come to my two favorite people that I like to quote. And the first is uh, Ben Franklin, where there's marriage without love, there will be love without marriage. Hmm. So think about that one for a moment. Without the carriage. Hmm. Without the car without marriage. Okay. <laughs> and then I have to give you a quotation. And this one, I'm going to actually tell you who it is from our Greek philosopher Socrates. Hmm. By all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> and although he wrote it from the perspective of a male, I think the same thing could be said for a woman. There's truth and humor, isn't there? Yes, there is. A great deal. <laughs> so our topic today, uh, Phil, and listening audience, is managing finances for married couples. We're going to talk about some things dealing with finances before marriage, what happens if you live together without marriage, and how do you handle your finances um, a few words about prenuptial agreements, and then should you have separate finances or should you merge your finances together? We're going to talk about spending habits for married couples, always a problem. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk a little bit about same-sex marriage because now that marriage between same gender is legalized in Massachusetts and many other places, um, the same financial rules are going to apply for same-sex um, uh, couples as they do for uh, traditional right. alternate sex mm -hmm. couples. And um, I had somebody say to me once, I'm not sure why same-sex individuals would want to get married. Don't they realize what they're in store for? Well, it's true because they're going to have the same issues as far as managing finances, divorce, uh, prenuptial agreements, and everything else. Um, we're going to talk about some ways to money-proof your marriage uh, some important rules for couples, and then a whole series of tips and financial advice about how to handle finances if you're a married couple. 
So let's just jump okay. right in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter, I'd like to start by reminding people that we're here today um, as representatives of USA Wealth Group. And would you tell folks where we're located and just a little bit about what we do? Absolutely. As usual, we are located in North Dartmouth on Fonts Corner Road, uh, about a mile or two north of the Dartmouth Mall, uh, right near the Vanity Fair outlets. And our phone number is 508-998-8858. We're always there to uh, take your phone calls, to meet with you uh, in person, and we don't charge to do that. Good. And uh, thank you for that, Peter. And our goal, as always, is to help people protect their families and help people protect their money. Mm -hmm. And that's what our show is about as well. Uh, That's our goal in our office. Again, our topic today is managing finances for married couples. Let's say a few words about what happens uh, before marriage. Well, first of all, you need to do a little bit of investigation if you're thinking of getting married, don't you? You know, you need to really know is the person you're thinking of marrying or about to marry are they on solid financial footing do they have credit problems and it's not far-fetched today to sit down and have a conversation and say let's take a look at each other's credit reports because if one person has better credit than the other it makes a difference in terms of how you apply for credit or financing sometimes or if one person has really bad credit maybe then you want to be really careful about how you structure ownership of things. And it certainly is not a a means to marry or not to marry somebody based on their credit report, but it is important to have some idea of uh, of that and of the person's spending habits uh, possibly before you marry them so you can work together. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that the number one reason for divorce is because of financial issues, money. It is. It is. It's not children, it's not sex, um, it's money. Money is the number one reason why couples don't get along together mm-hmm. or have difficulty in their marriage. So here's a question, Peter, I would like to ask you. Do you think it's appropriate if somebody's thinking of getting married to say to each other, let's each get our credit reports and sit down and look at them together and have an idea what's on our credit reports? I think in today's world, absolutely. Uh, I think that, you know, even 10 years ago, uh, it's probably not very commonplace. It wasn't, I should say, very commonplace 10 years ago and would be looked at it possibly a little bit funny. Um, I actually know somebody, and she used to joke about this all the time, but I don't think she was joking. She used to say, I won't marry anybody until I can look at their credit report and look at their their bank account, their bank statements. And, (laughs) you know, it was really like, shocking and and sort of offensive but in today's world i think that you really have to it's just a a, a cautious you have to do it in a cautious way so you you broach the uh the subject lightly well what the credit report will do is it'll give um all the details of your proposed partner's uh, credit and debt payment activity do they pay their bills on time and sometimes it can lead to a discussion about who's a better person to manage the finances in the relationship so it's not far-fetched to sit down and share credit reports. You can get them for free, and it doesn't impact your uh, credit history itself if you get your own credit report. But it's just a nice thing to know, and it's a nice thing to plan. And it really also speaks to the question of openness. The marriage is starting on an equal footing. It's starting on an open footing. And you can also look at each other's uh, credit scores. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about opening up a, a joint uh, credit account. Um, this is sometimes a problem, and sometimes it's a good idea, and sometimes it's not. If you want to go in and apply for joint credit for something, even for a car finance, for example, um, often you're better off if you can do it in just one person's name rather than in both persons' name. But looking at somebody's credit report before marriage and asking a few questions will sometimes tell you who's the saver in the relationship and who's the spender. And that's, I'm going to suggest, a very important thing. Um, what about if you're living together, Pete? You know, a lot of people today are living together without being married. And um, the question of finances is just as relevant for somebody, a couple, living together as it is if they're married. You need to know what their savings habits are for the other person. Do they save money? And we always talk about that, Phil, about pay yourself first, put something aside for savings. Mm -hmm. We see it every single week. The people that have money and have accumulated money have just done it systematically. And I'll just say one word about that for a moment. It doesn't matter what amount you start with. You want to just get into the habit of doing it. They say the same thing about exercise. You know, if you're out of shape, for example, physically, and you haven't exercised for a while, you're not gonna suddenly wake up one morning and say, I'm gonna get in shape this week, and then I'm gonna do an hour every single day this week, and I'm gonna be in shape. It doesn't work that way. You have to do it gradually. Well, saving money is exactly the same thing. Get into the discipline, even if you don't open up a bank account or an investment account right away, have a cookie jar. Mm -hmm. and Put a $10 bill in it once a week, and then at the end of a month, take all the money out and go down and open up an account. Now you have a sense of accomplishment because you've saved something, and you start to get into the habit of doing that. But the same thing is true um, in a relationship with or without the benefit of marriage. Who's going to wear the financial pants in the relationship? And There's no better way to put it. Um, For example... Most people don't have a family budget, but you ought to have a family budget. And we've talked about some software programs like Quicken, for example, where you can keep track of finances. Who's paying the bills? Um, I know in my family, um, my wife, Tenny, writes most of the checks and pays most of the bills and keeps track of that. Yeah, too. How about in your household, Pete? Oh, absolutely. My uh, my wife is outstanding at keeping track of all the bills, and she is the one who uh, keeps the calendar and the list of everything that needs to be paid every month and takes care of doing it either online or writing out the checks. Mm-hmm. So it's really important in a relationship to figure out who's a better person at being able to organize this and to track it. And if you both can recognize that, it's going to lead to more open conversation about the finances also. And just as we say almost every week, every single case is, uh, is different. I mean, your individual case is going to be different than your neighbor's. Uh, in some, in, I would say in most situations I've seen that the, the wife tends to be more uh, of the responsible one in terms of paying the bills, but that's definitely not always the case. And I do know a lot of relationships where the, the husband is the one who pays the bills and who... Uh, really keeps track of everything and is the saver. Um, I've, I know couples who have been together for five, ten years and who are not married, but they have a joint checking account. I know uh, couples who have been married for 10 or 15 years and have separate checking accounts. So um, it, it's just really important to be honest with yourself and with each other and know who is the person because usually there is only one 
uh, and hopefully there is one in each relationship who is is really good with the money and and saving and keeping track of all the bills. You know what I've seen over the years, Phil, which is very unfortunate when I've seen it? Uh, In those situations when it's been the man who has been controlling the finances, usually it's been done in a very controlling fashion where his wife doesn't have a clue about what money is coming in, what money is going out, and often it leads to a disaster when the husband dies later because uh, his wife who survives him is often is the case, doesn't have a clue about where anything is or what to do with anything. She has been totally divorced from that topic, and it leads to a tough situation for the surviving spouse. So even if you have one person who's handling everything, writing the checks and so forth, you have to talk about it. Um, And again, we're talking about briefly now before marriage. Um, If you're going to have a relationship and you're thinking about getting married or planning to get married and you're living together, again, make sure you sit down and talk about the finances because if you can't have a good, clear conversation about money before you're married, think about what it's going to be after you get married. So you need to make basic decisions on um, mostly before marriage, keeping money and finances mostly separate until you get married, unless you sign an apartment lease together or something like that. Most of the bills typically will be split 50-50 between the man and the woman, and then everybody will pay for their own miscellaneous expenses. And keep each other informed of any major expenses, and certainly keep retirement accounts separate. You have to Mm -hmm. pretty much do that anyway. But if you can do those kinds of fairly basic things, it's a good beginning to a marriage. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that we can do, and sometimes we've seen this over the years, is what do you do if it's a lopsided financial relationship between the couple? Um, One person has a fair amount of money, the other person has nothing. Or one person is going to inherit a fair amount of money and the other person is going to inherit nothing. Often that's a case that really cries out for a prenuptial agreement. And they're more common than people think. And sometimes we've seen them when both husband and wife-to-be have wealthy parents on both sides. And again, they're both anxious to keep things straight and to know that if the marriage should end later, they're going to be able to divide up the assets in a logical fashion. So we're not going to talk a lot about prenuptial agreements Um, They're very appropriate, especially if it's a one-sided asset situation um, or potentially one person will get an inheritance and the other one will not. It's just as valid if there's a second marriage situation. So if your first spouse has passed away and you're thinking of getting married again and maybe you've got children by your first marriage, the most fair thing you can do is leave the bulk of your assets to your own children, your own family. And typically, you're not going to have children with your second spouse. So a prenuptial agreement is certainly in order. And by the way, it doesn't mean that you are not providing for the second spouse because there's things you can do to make sure your second spouse is going to be taken care of also. And get some uh, good advice about prenuptial agreements before you uh, go ahead and do one if you uh, do choose to do that. Uh, Another important thing is, as we talked about, the uh, single... Uh, biggest reason for the for divorce is uh, hiding money or fights about money, uh, spending uh, habits, those type of things. And it's also something that we see quite regularly that uh, causes fights between siblings. 
So you really should have your uh, your money spelled out exactly where you want it to go uh, once you are gone because you don't want to uh, have your, your children fighting over assets. And, and we do see that quite frequently, unfortunately. And by the way, real quickly, just to wrap up on prenuptial agreements, uh, if anybody does a prenuptial agreement, there has to be two separate lawyers involved. Each person has to have separate legal representation. Mm-hmm. You cannot have one lawyer who will create one prenuptial agreement that both parties will sign because there's a built-in conflict of interest. Sure. So that's a requirement in Massachusetts. Let's talk about uh, a married couple now. And should they have separate finances or should they merge their finances together? And um, let's talk about some of the reasons why you know we want to have things kept separate. One of the recommendations often is, for the most part, keep your expenses together, um, but there's not uh, a problem if you also have a separate, smaller account for yourself for your own personal needs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that. Sometimes they'll do it with allowances. But one of the big questions always is, should we put everything together? Should we merge everything together? And the answer is not necessarily. Um, one of the most important questions in any marriage, including finances, is trust. Do you trust the other person? And when it comes to merging your finances together, um, you have to decide whether to put bank accounts together. It doesn't mean you don't trust the person if you have a separate account, and sometimes there are some good reasons to do that. But um, if both people are working on the same checkbook, that can create a problem. So one of the first things you need to decide is to have a decision made right up front and talk about it. Who's going to be the person who's going to manage the checkbook, uh, check the checkbook balance, uh, write out most of the bills, keep track of when things need to get paid. And you don't want two people trying to do that. It becomes chaos. So one option is for most expenditures, whether it's rent, mortgage, car payments, and so forth, Maybe you have one shared account for that, one merged account, if you will. And you can pay all kinds of common bills, um, household expenses, like I said, cars. But maybe uh, then you have a separate account for each of you for your own personal clothing and um, small conveniences and things like that. And uh, generally, it's not usually recommended to keep things totally separate. Mm -hmm. One person has one account, one person has another account. Uh, Credit cards are also a problem. It's fairly unusual for two people to apply for a credit card together. What often happens is one person will have a credit card and then they'll add their spouse onto a credit card. So now there's two people who are on the same card and usually the credit card company will issue a second card so both people will have the same card. And a common example of that might be um, Home Depot or Lowe's. There's no logic to a husband and wife having each their own separate account, unless one person's in business. So there's a a situation, or Sears Roebuck, where you might have one card for the store, um, one account for the store, I should say, but both husband and wife will have a card that they can use. And then you just need to make sure you tell each other what you're doing, obviously. Very important. But uh, keeping things totally separate is not really a practical workable solution today. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about something, Pete, 
um, of spending habits. This is really important. You have to ask yourself in a marriage, is one person a saver and one person a spender? Is one person a risk taker and the other one is more conservative and wants to be very cautious? And that's often the case in uh, a marriage situation. And you have to recognize that if one person wants to go out and buy a lot of things and spend, maybe they should have a small separate account but not have a lot of money in it. But maybe they shouldn't be using a larger shared account where there's a danger of depleting uh, that account. So um, let's talk about some of the issues uh, dealing with that. Um, and when you go shopping, for example, if you're going shopping for furniture, make sure you have a budget in mind and don't allow one or the other to pressure into spending more money than what your budget is. You have to realize that when it comes to finances, the couple is on the same team and you have to work together. You don't want to be told by your other spouse exactly how much you can spend, but you have to really look at it as a, as a team decision. And it's, it's how you work as a team that makes a difference of whether it's a successful uh, relationship or not. You also need to understand if one spouse is overspending, what's the reason for it? Um, Peter and I met this past week with um, a young man who actually lives at home, but he's contemplating marriage, but he's accumulated $12,000 in credit card debt. And he did it because he was using the money primarily for Foxwoods and lottery tickets. And that's really hard to win money in, in those arenas. It's really hard to make money in lottery tickets or mm -hmm. at Foxwoods and treat it as entertainment, but don't think it's the way you're going to make some money. Right. So right. we're trying to uh, have it. We have a plan that we propose to him for working out his problems, but he needs to get that straightened out before he gets married. Doubt. And we talked to them about canceling some of his, uh, not canceling the cards, mm -hmm. but paying the balances down and then don't use the cards. Cut them up, but don't cancel the account. But this is not a good candidate for marriage uh, unless he has gotten through this habit of spending money in casinos and lottery tickets. Does his future wife know about this? Um, there's been minor discussion. Minor. <laughs> he claims that he has stopped doing this about nine months ago, but now he's stuck with the debt. Sure. So he needs to recognize that. And that's a perfect situation where his new wife ought to be the one handling the finances. Mm -hmm. And he ought to have some limits. And um, it's also important to have, understand um, what things cost. Now, who does grocery shopping in a family? Um, it's a fact of life that mostly it's a woman typically who's out doing the grocery shopping. Um, I do shopping occasionally, but I tend to go through the grocery store when I do and I look for things that I like or I want without thinking about it. Thank you. You know me, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, well, most men do the same thing. On the other hand, my wife will go knowing exactly what she wants to get, and she'll have coupons. Yes. And she'll save anywhere from 12 to $18 a week using coupons and discounts. Mm -hmm. And so she's the logical person who should be doing most of that because I don't, I don't approach that in a logical manner. I'm too impatient. I want to go through, and then all of a sudden there's something else that looks interesting. I'm a hybrid of that. I, I do a lot of the grocery shopping, um, but only when we need X amount of items. If it's the entire list, then the, my wife will go because I 
inevitably always forget something or get the wrong brand or something else. But if there's, you know, 15, 20 items that we need, I'll go out and do it. But I race through the store, but I don't use coupons. I just go through and I'm like a, a man on a mission from point A to point B to get all the stuff that I need as quick as possible and get out of there. <laughs> and I'm in the other category. I come home with bags of groceries and Celeste looks at me and says, what What did you buy? <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not really a good man activity, I think. Um, women are much more practical in general about handling money and um, making those kinds of shopping decisions. Of course, um, maybe if we cooked a little bit more, then uh, we would be thinking about what we were buying. But, um, well, the important thing is you've got to have communications. uh, And even if we're going to the grocery store, we need to communicate with our spouse and say, I'm going to the store to get X, Y, and Z, and I won't come back with other things. And you have to be a little bit disciplined about it, don't you? There go my Kalamata olives, pitted. (laughs) So I'd like to remind people that um, uh, Peter and I are with USA Wealth Group. Our goal is to help uh, everybody listening, everybody that we come in contact with, figure out how to protect their family and how to protect their money. And our approach is we think we can always show you how to make more money and how to improve your financial position. And if you have interest in anything that we talk about, give us a call at 508-998-8858. And Phil, when we come back, we're going to talk about same-sex couples Mm -hmm. who have the same issues and the same problems. And then we're going to get into some very specific tips for saving money for married couples. Sounds good. So stay tuned. We'll be back straight ahead in just a moment. Welcome back to the Money Wise Radio Show with the money guys who are your protectors, Ray and Peter Lance, and great first half of the program, Ray and Peter. And this portion we're going to talk about, did you say same-sex marriage and uh, their their uh, finances? Yes. yes, exactly. Our topic today is managing finances for married couples, okay. and whether it's married couples of the opposite sex or married couples of the same sex, The issues are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to give you a couple more quotations. Great. Uh, Anonymous is my favorite author. Anyone who says money doesn't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. (laughs) And the other one I like is a Woody Allen quotation talking about money. If only God would give me some clear sign, like making a deposit in my name in a Swiss bank account. Sounds great. Divine. So, you know, the Bible says that um, the love of money is the root of all evil. People always think it's money is the root of all evil. That's not the case. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Your obsession with it, yeah. So let's jump right in and talk for a minute about uh, same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. We have something uh, fairly new in uh, federal law, a recent Supreme Court decision on the uh, Defense of Marriage Act. Um, Basically... Um, which really paved the way for uh, gay couples uh, to 
give some serious thought about their own personal finances. It's one thing to feel euphoric and go out and say, great, we're going to get married. It's now legal. We can get married in these states and so forth. But I just want to remind anybody listening who's uh, in a gay relationship and contemplating getting married, um, you have exactly the same issues as any um, alternate sex couple does, uh, heterosexual couple does. Same financial issues, issues apply. You need to be thinking about Social Security benefits so that when one spouse dies, the survivor can claim the higher of the two Social Security benefits. Uh, those rules are the same. And you need to think about estate taxes if you have a larger estate. And in Massachusetts, at least, that's defined as if you've got combined assets of over a million dollars and one person dies and everything goes to the surviving same sex spouse or spouse. Um, you have a taxable estate in Massachusetts, and you need to plan for that. Um, retirement savings uh, rollovers are a similar issue, filing taxes jointly, a uh, similar issue. Generally, people can benefit from filing jointly, not always the case. But um, a quick financial checklist for same-sex couples would be, uh, number one, get some good advice before you go ahead. If you have a, a disproportionate breakdown in assets, one person has more than the other, uh, do give some consideration to a prenuptial agreement. Um, I know Tenney has had a case recently with a same-sex couple where there was a prenuptial agreement involved, and um, one spouse then died. And so the importance of that prenuptial agreement really uh, cannot be overstressed. But Sit down with people like Peter and I, sit down with a tax accountant or an accountant, talk about whether you should file your tax returns jointly or individually or married filing separate. Um, take a look at all of your beneficiary designations as any couple should. Make sure if you've got a retirement account, here's a simple rule for any married couple. We've talked about this before in the show. Make sure you have proper designations of beneficiaries. Typically it's gonna be your spouse, but then make sure you have a contingency uh, named as a beneficiary, and a lot of people don't. Or what happens if you had an IRA ahead of time where you named a parent as a beneficiary, uh, and then you get married? If you haven't changed the beneficiary on your retirement account, your IRA account, just because you're married, it does no good for your new spouse. That beneficiary designation will control who's going to get your money. Mm -hmm. So you make sure you want to review beneficiary schedules for life insurance, um, annuities, IRA accounts, 401k accounts. And again, take a look at real estate. How do you want to own real estate? Do you want to own it together? Joint tenancy, tenancy in common. If you're both contributing equally, um, maybe you're not going to have children or adopt children. So you need to think about what happens if one spouse in this, uh, a gay relationship, let's say, should pass away. Do you want everything to go to the surviving spouse or do you want your one half interest in the property to go to siblings or parents or somebody else? These are all very serious financial issues in, uh, in, a, in a regular uh, heterosexual marriage. People don't think about them, but I'm going to suggest to you that they often don't think about them either in a, a gay marriage or lesbian marriage, and you should. Mm-hmm. And health benefits go along with that as well. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about how to money-proof your marriage. 
and from this point on, as really for the whole show, everything that we're talking about applies to any marriage. And some of these rules are, are rules that will come back to haunt you later if you end up getting divorced. Number one rule is communicate. Um, we started to talk about this before people are married. They need to sit down and figure out what does each person have? What do they have for liabilities and exposure that could partially um, impact or potentially impact their new spouse, for example? You need to communicate. Um, you need to talk about who tends to spend money, who's going to be the saver. Um, once you're married, uh, financial date nights are perhaps a good idea. What's Sit that? down once a week and just oh. say, mm-hmm. let's talk about finances. Let's talk sure. about whether we're saving for retirement. Let's talk about whether we want to allocate a certain amount of money to go out on Friday night or Saturday night as a date night. But at some point, don't set aside some time that will allow on a regular basis, and I'm going to suggest weekly, talk about your finances. If you do that on a regular basis, it's the same impact as saving some money on a regular basis. You'll never have problems. You'll never have issues. Second thing would be to um, share your goals. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you want to retire when you're 55? Do you want to retire when you're 65? Yeah, and everybody has different ideas of, of what makes them happy or what their uh, financial goals are. You, you certainly had something uh, in your mind before you met your spouse or your fiance or your boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you know, whether it was, as my father just said, to retire at a, at a young age, uh, live on the beach, uh, whether you want to travel. And what you should really do is revisit those goals, especially if it's been a while, write them down and ask your uh, spouse or partner to do the same and go over them and see where you might match up or where you might uh, have, have differences and talk about what your goals are together. Let's talk about four or five specific topics that I'm going to suggest. And you can even write these down on a short list and say once a week we're going to sit down and talk about five specific topics or six. One should be budgeting. Do we have a budget? How is it going? Are we on budget? Are we over budget? Are we under budget? Uh, Talk about saving. What are we doing specifically to have a saving plan between us? Retirement. When do we want to retire? What steps do we need to take to put aside money for being able to retire? Let's talk about debt management. Um, What do you want to do to try to reduce your debt? Here's a quick example. Um, We just met very recently with a couple who had a uh, 4.5% mortgage, and I suggested they're getting very close to retirement. One partner in the marriage, the husband is thinking about retiring possibly in the next 60 days. And I said, while you're still employed and you have income coming in, why not think about rewriting the mortgage? And they're closing, I believe, tomorrow at a 3.2% interest rate. Great. The savings amount is $150 a month. Well, multiply that times 10 months, that's $1,500. So you're talking about seventeen or eighteen hundred dollars a year they're saving, and that'll be real important in retirement. So they're going to lock that in. Um, so you need to sit down and talk about budgeting, saving, retirement, debt management, and you ought to do it once a week, right. and say how are we doing, you know. And what if one spouse in the relationship 
wants to be in business for themselves, then you've got some other special concerns. You want to make sure that the house is protected. Maybe it's going to be in one person's name and not the married couple, so that it won't be subjected to business risk. Well, the other thing to mention, and we we did a show um, on forensics accounting about two or three weeks ago, and if you're interested, we'll be happy to get you a copy of that. Uh, and not to make anybody paranoid, but you know, if you're thinking that something might be wrong, a lot of times it is. So if your uh, spouse has their own business, uh, that's a, a potential easy way for them to hide money. Um, so again, uh, we won't go into details about this now because we just did a show on forensics accounting. Uh, but uh, if you're interested, we'll get, be happy to get you a, a copy of that show. Good. Yeah, that's a good reminder. But in any event, there are special risks if one spouse is going to be in a business and the other one is not. Um, and again, there needs to be transparency. If anyone is interested, we'd be happy to send a quick checklist that would say, here's what you should talk about on a weekly basis. Here's five topics. Sit down once a week and talk about it. Make 52 copies of this piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Keep it in a loose-leaf notebook and talk about it once a week. And if you do that, then you're going to be in great shape. Um, so we talked about expenses. Think about having a, a spending plan. How much are you spending? And look at your credit scores maybe once a month or once every two months. Well, with the uh, the, the tips that uh, my father just mentioned, we'll be happy to send along a budget form as well. It's two-sided. It basically it goes into great detail, a lot of things that people might not necessarily think about of every single thing penny that you're taking in and on, on the other side every single penny that you're you're uh, spending so you can have a real clear idea as to where your finances are coming and going so let's quickly run through some uh, financial tips for couples we've actually got a list of 25 uh, when you're dating have fun and figure out how to do things where you don't have to spend money I tell Peter that a lot there's so many things you can do in the area where you can have a good time and not have to spend money right you can march in the Portuguese parade and throw candy. That's right. I have done that. I know you did. That's what you mentioned. And it's fun. It is great. Well, if it's, you know, if the feelings are real and if they're there, you know, you're you're not going to need to spend money to try to impress somebody to, you know, to want to stick with you. And when it comes to your children, which is something that my father tells me all the time and, and what I do is – your children just want to spend time with you, and so does somebody who truly loves you. They don't care about uh, mm-hmm. being lavish with gifts or expensive outings. Sure, it's fun once in a while, but really what people who care about you want is your time. Yep. There's lots of things you can do without spending money. Um, before marriage, while you're dating, pay close attention to your, your partner's financial habits. Um, just because they're attractive to you and you get along and you have a lot of laughs, are they spending money foolishly or are they making some smart financial decisions? Discuss your own goals and your own dreams with your proposed partner. If you're living together, um, make sure that you create a living together agreement. Mm-hmm. One page. You can have a little quick written agreement and decide who's going to spend what, who's going to pay for what. It's not being penny pinching. It's being smart about your financing. And of course, especially at the beginning of a relationship, take everything that uh, you know the, the person says with a grain of salt because they may or may not be saying something that you want to hear. My wife told me that she loved camping when we first met. <laughs> oh, well, I like, I like camping in Marriotts. <laughs> Speaking of penny pinching, what happens if one of the People in the relationship is more like a Mr. Scrooge. I mean, so over. 
the top of holding on to every cent that it becomes an obsession. You can say you're shut off. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, be a that's, that's why you have to have balance. You yeah. have to remember that it's a team and you have to have written goals. And at that point, you sit down with a person and say, look, we need to have a life. Right. We're not going to save every penny and every nickel, but we ought to have a written plan. Let's sit down and have a plan together. And if you need to, sit down with somebody like us and talk about what's working and what's not working in your finances. We're not marriage counselors. We're financial counselors. And we'll say, why don't you do these things? Uh, I'm, we make recommendations yeah. every single week to people telling them how to plan better. But, Ray, since finances are such an important part of marriage, this kind of counseling is so important. Sure it is. So let's assume you're about to get married and you're looking at a wedding. How many people put on really lavish weddings, you know, $25,000 and up? Yes, it's fun. Yes, it's nice. But it's money that's down the drain, whether it's daddy's money or your own money. You don't recover that back. There's ways... You know, you can save money, like not doing destination weddings and things like that. Um, figure out if you can pay cash for the wedding and don't go into debt to just pay for the, the wedding. Think about the timing of your marriage. Uh, sometimes there's a marriage penalty under the tax law, depending upon, you know, when you get married. So if you're thinking about getting married in December, maybe you want to get married in January because now you've got a whole year that you can put off the decisions about how you're handling the payment of taxes. Mm -hmm. If you get money gifts uh, at your wedding, don't go and just spend the money. Set aside as much as you can for shared dreams, a house, a business, children, whatever it happens to be. Review your investments together. While you're married and you have a joint financial life, make sure you have this written plan. Make sure you meet. I mean, it really isn't much to sit down once a week and say, how are we doing? What should we be doing differently? If you can do that on a regular basis, as I said, it's just as important as having a regular savings plan. Mm -hmm. Celebrate your differences. If you have one person who's a spender and the other one is a saver, set up a budget that allows for both. You know, if, if one person is a bargain hunter, put them in charge of uh, spending part of the budget and then you invest the money in savings instead. Communicate, confide in your partner, and everybody in a marriage will you know, certainly squirrel away a little bit of money because they want to surprise their spouse with you know, a birthday gift or a holiday gift or a Christmas gift or something. But create some priorities for your finances. Uh, is it your goal to buy a house? Then figure out what is your goal for how much of a down payment you need. And if it's $10,000 or $15,000, say, here's our goal, and when we have reached this much money, we're going to go out and seriously look for a house. We're going to make sure that our credit scores are kept up there, that we pay our bills on time, and this is our little action plan for buying a house. And then once a week you sit down and say, okay, you know, we put another $100 this week into it, and next week we can put in $200 into our, our budget. And by the time we reach 10 months from now, we're going to have enough money for a down payment. We can go out and shop seriously for a house. Um, starting the family. Children are enormously expensive. Um, they're also extremely rewarding. And the best investment you can make in your children and your grandchildren, of course, is their education. But if you're going to have one person stay at home and the other one works full time, 
and it can be male or female, although usually it's the woman who stays at home, um, discuss the model that you're going to use for finances. How much is going to be necessary per week uh, to run the household? Um, will there be somebody coming in to help? Not many people can do that. Um, but make sure, and this should go without saying, but it doesn't. Part and parcel of doing a financial plan is to make you sure you have your own estate plan in place. Uh, and that includes thinking about such things as what happens if I die and I'm the main breadwinner? Is there any kind of insurance that's left to take care of the person who survives behind me? So you need a family budgeting plan and a family spending plan. And you really ought to, like I said, if you use just a simple device of a loose leaf notebook, you can review that once a week and spend 20 or 30 minutes and say, this is our half an hour to sit down and talk about financing. Here's our goals. Here's what we want to accomplish. We want to be able to retire. We want to be able to buy a house. We want to be able to go on a cruise. Whatever it happens to be, here's our goal, and here's how we're going to get there. And then review it once a week. But your estate plan is just as important. What happens if one spouse dies? Is there a plan in place to make sure that there's going to be a smooth transition to transfer assets to the surviving spouse? And um, whether it's setting up a retirement plan or an IRA or a Roth IRA. So I'm suggesting a weekly meeting. If you can't do a weekly meeting, do at least a monthly meeting. But you've got to set it on your calendar as a regular time to meet and discuss your dreams, That's your right. vacation plans, sure. your retirement plans, your education plans for your kids. I bet you, Ray, people put more planning into their vacation than they do for this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we tell people that all the time. It's, um, it's proven uh, that they do. Uh, leading into that are, are the 10 money mistakes that you can make. And number one is not talking enough about finances with your partner. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the number one uh, important uh, mistake to, to, to make that you can make and that leads to divorce. Mm -hmm. Money is the, th the force that drives all of us, unfortunately. If you're going to get married a second time, everything that we've talked about and a few other things are even more important. And then it's even more critical to say, if it's the case, if both parents, if both spouses are coming into the second marriage on more or less an equal financial footing, maybe the conversation goes like this. Uh, what's mine will go to my kids, what's yours will go to your kids. What we put together in the meantime, like a house, will make sure that if one of us dies, the other one can stay there for the rest of their lives. But if the house gets sold, um, either during that surviving spouse's lifetime, or if it gets sold, um, because that person wants to move someplace else, then whatever money comes out of the house will get divided between the two families, the mm -hmm. two sets of kids, for example. We've seen many, many examples of that, and it's generally a really good, uh, fair uh, relationship. And I'm going to suggest that, although it's just as important to know about what's the financial spending habits and what are the assets and the credit report when you're getting married the first time, it's even more important the second time. And of course, if you want to get remarried, marry somebody who's wealthier than you. Amen. <laughs> That's my philosophy, Pete. <laughs> so let's, let's just uh, sort of wrap up and talk about uh, some important goals for 
Everybody, important rules for couples. Create separate accounts, yes, but have one bigger joint account for most situations. Um, Track how you're spending the money. It's called a budget. I'd be willing to bet, Bill, that probably 90, 95% of the people listening today don't have a budget. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit like getting into the car and saying, I think I'll go to Chicago today. And if you don't have a map to figure out how to get there, you're going to have a real hard time. You need a budget, and it's nothing more than a way to track um, what you spend and what your needs are. And the, and the funny thing is is that it really doesn't take a whole lot of time to do the budget, uh, especially with the form that we can send to you. It would probably take you 20 minutes, half an hour to get a really good idea of, of everything. Every single person coming into our office gets a budget sheet, period. And if they sit down with us and say, we want to make sure we have enough money for our retirement, we'll say, okay, starting point is show me what your needs are and show me what you spend and show me what your income is. If you don't do those few very basic things, there's no way in a marriage that you can track expenses properly. Mm-hmm. And so you have to track your, your expenditures. Set financial priorities together. Figure out how, how you can save part of your income. Can you save 10% of your income every month? If you do that and start out at a very young age, you're going to retire in comfort, in style, and you're going to be very wealthy when you do. Uh, handle debt as a couple. Decide which piece of debt you want to pay off first. If you have a financially uh, difficult situation, focus on that one thing, pay it off, and then move on. When you can, try to live debt-free. It's very hard today. Do not keep big financial secrets. So the most important rule of everything that we've talked about today is simply communication. We have so many, many reports and things that we can share with people if they want to know um, about these things. Call for Peter or call for me at the office, 508-998-8858. We can send you a report on virtually any financial topic that you think about. And our goal is to have a safe family and to have safe money Uh, We can help you in the areas of retirement income planning, social security maximization, setting goals for your marriage financially, uh, safe money, mortgage planning, uh, reverse mortgages sometimes, long-term care planning, uh, tax strategies, and how to leave a legacy to your family if you want to. But mostly, you want to take care of each other as a husband or wife, uh, married, or, uh, and we want to make sure that no matter what you do, your marriage doesn't fall apart because of finances. Finances is something that you can manage and you can control it. And I personally think it's exciting when you have specific goals and then you plan toward it and then you achieve it and then you take a vacation or you take a cruise or you retire early or whatever your goal is. What, you know, everybody's different. Right. But we can show you how to get there. And pay attention to your spouse and your spouse's needs. Very, very important. So thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm. We want to protect your marriage as well as your family. You are the protectors, uh, truly. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for the great comments we've been receiving about the program. They are truly, we're very grateful for that. 
And we look forward to uh, being in your company again next Sunday at the same time for the Money Wise Radio Show brought to you by USA Wealth Group. Of course, your protectors who are looking out for your money, your asset, your family. Ray and Peter Lance, thank you so much. Another great show, gentlemen. Thank you.